0: Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Ten to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. We're going to be talking about soccer, dating matches from uh, Friday the 21st through Thursday the 27th. I'm Soccer Noob. I've only been following the sport in earnest for a few years. Welcome to part of my learning journey. Joining me as always is going to be my nine-year-old daughter, co-host, Person Noob. I'm new to the sport. She's comparatively new to being alive. So, the Tend to Track 10 of what are we tracking? Well, the most important, super important matches in the world. As we define them, though, you're going to get many previews of some matches that are from the biggest leagues and involve the biggest teams in the world. But a lot of the time, we're going to go to mid-sized countries and even tiny little leagues and countries from any far-flung corner of the footy world. If it's from a top-flight league and it's important where it's being played, there's a pretty darn good chance noobs following it. To that end, let's dive right in with...
1: Match number one! Hello again, person up here. Dad thought this would be a great match for me to handle because being only nine, I'm a small person. And our first match comes from the smallest country in the world. It's a Saturday, Saturday game and we're headed to tiny San Marino. In case you're not familiar, it's enclaved by Italy. That means it's completely surrounded by the other country. Only about 35,000 people, being so small, the country ranks very last out of the fifty-five UEFA member Nash nation associations, so I cover it. The winner gets to go to the Champions League, and this match is the league's play-off final. Loser goes to the new Europe Conference League. The match is regular seasons since number one La Fiorita versus number three Vulgaray. Let's learn a little bit about La Fiorte. They w- they won the regular season match in zero to one. The club name translates from Italian to the flowery one. Their colors are very deep blue and bright yellow. They play in the small town of Montegiardino, which is also the name, which is also the name of Castelli, or basically district. There are nine in the country. It's in the southwe- southeast part of the country and only has a thousand people. The University of San Marino is here. As for the footy there, this year in the Champions League in the last preliminary round to Coleraine of the Northern Ireland. Last year they lost to Andorra of Andorra. But at least they scored. That was only the second time for them in the CL. They've won five league titles, the last offering one being 2017 through 18. 2018 through 19 was the last full season played, and they finished number four. They're going for the double as they also won this year's FA Cup. This year, they went 12 to 1 to 1 winning the covid abbreviated league by eight points. They scored almost 2.5 goals per game and only allowed five total all-in-season. Best in the league in both categories. Their number one team scorer is Michael Pierre. To get this final, they beat Tripene.
0: Outstanding, daughter of mine, person noob, and I'll handle the official visiting team duties for this playoff final, because I know now you will be a big fan going forward of La Fiorita. I'll handle things for Folgore. They play out of the uh, Castello that is called Saraville. Uh, It's the most populated one in the country. It's got over 10,000 people. It's in the north, northeast part of the nation. And if you're a sporting fan in general, and this name rings a bell to you, uh, means you're a baseball fan and a very, very good one. Not just Major League Baseball in America. They are the home of T and A, San Marino, which is uh, Italian. uh, They play in the, they're not Italian, they're from San Marino, of course, but they play in the very best league in Italian baseball. They do very, very well in it as well. Uh, The name of the village that they play out of is called Falciano, which means they mow, or grass cutters. Must be something lost in the translation or there's a second non-literal one because that sounds odd. It's in the southeast part of the district and it's got about a thousand people there in the village proper. Uh, that's the second largest one after the uh, larger town of Dogana in that district. Uh, internationally, in 2018 19, believe their only appearance or one of the only appearances uh, they went to the Europa League and they lost to Endor of Andorra. Uh, they scored, no, it wasn't their only appearance. They've been to the Europa League several times and they actually do manage to score in a lot of their games, uh, as opposed to La Fiorita. But neither one has ever won a game in official international competition. Domestically, four league titles. Last time they hoisted that trophy was 2014-15. Last year, they finished in second place But uh, the last full season, but they didn't get to go to the Europa League for some reason. Uh, This past regular season, number two, uh, number four on offense, but number B on defense. uh, Number one league scorer is Imre Badalassi. He's an Italian, a striker. He's got 13 goals on the year. So he scored almost one goal per game. And uh, to advance to this final, uh, they beat uh, second place regular season team, La... uh, Libertas. That's the name of it. I wanted to put a law in front of it, but there's no definite or indefinite article there.
1: Match number B.
0: Greetings, footy fans. This is Dan, the former internal inferno, introducing match number B. Yes, number two is trash talk around here. We don't use that system. Join the revolution. Match number B. Here it is. So awesome to hear from Dan, my former, quote, Interno Inferno, end quote. He actually uh, used to work uh, stuff for me in the website days, uh, putting together all the epic photo imagery uh, that made the website much more quirkier and fun than it ever could have possibly been without. Now, I will say he left for an alleged paying job, sure right, with the Swedish women's FA. To be honest, that has always seemed a little bit dubious to me. I know he's over there, but... I think he's a spy of some kind, but don't know for sure, don't want him killed. So, noob will say no more on it. Instead, on to our second match, and it is a Sunday match. We only had, we had none for Friday, just one for Saturday. Sunday is going to be chock full, and we will start stateside in the MLS. Never too early to start talking about what's at stake, even though it truly is early in the season. Uh, the supporters' shield winner, whichever team has the best record at the very end of the year overall, the uh, MLS Cup playoff finalists. All three of those teams are going to get to uh, go to next year's CONCACAF Champions League. Now, in terms of the domestic playoffs, the top seven from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs. The number one teams in each conference will have the distinct advantage of qualifying straight into the semifinals. And the biggest, best matchup, I believe, this weekend is going to be Seattle Sounders playing host to Atlanta United. Going to be a good one. Uh, first, a little bit about Seattle, founded 2007. Something new that I found out I hadn't known. Uh, celebrity uh, favorite personality of mine, Drew Carey, loved his show back in the day. I've seen him a couple times on Prices Right. I also love his Sirius XM show on uh, the underground uh, rock and roll station, the Friday I Freak Out that he does, but he is a minority owner in the Sounders. And whether this is your musical taste or not, so you can love it or hate it, he is responsible for Seattle being the only club in MLS that has a marching band specifically affiliated with it. Go fight win, I guess, for that. It's going to be fun to see on TV, Uh, 15,000 fans in the stadium, uh, which is about 25% capacity, and I imagine that they will sell every single ticket. Let's see. Uh, they have two CONCACAF Champions League appearances to their credit historically. Uh, they made the quarterfinals. That was their best ever finish a couple of years back, 2018. Uh, two MLS Cup titles. The playoffs are the ones that determine the overall champion for the year. And they did also win the Supporters' Shield back in 2014. Last year, they were just fifth place in the Western Conference, not too shabby. But then in the playoffs, they got hot and made it all the way to the MLS Cup final before they lost to Columbus once and now again, Crew. Uh, They are the only undefeated team in the Western Conference, uh, 5-1-0, as I said very early in the season. They've won four straight. Statistically, they just have looked outstanding. Number one offense by, uh, you know, a fair bit. They've scored over two goals per game. And then on defense, they've only conceded two for the entire season so far. It's early, but that's still outstanding. Uh, Let's see. uh, The number B league score is... Raul Ruiz Diaz, the Peruvian Forward Designated Players Superstar, who got his start uh, back in Peru at one of their storied clubs, Universitario de Deportes. Incredible ball control and just five foot seven, so he has a nickname of The Flea. Now, with apologies to MLS players, I also like to look at, uh, or fans, what's the best, you know, biggest team you played for? Perhaps it's Seattle. I'm going to say it was Morelia. He used to play in Liga MX. He's also got about 50 national team caps to his credit since 2011. On the assists leaderboard is American Will Bruin, 31-year-old forward. Uh, Spent six years with uh, Dynamo Houston before coming over here, I believe a year or two back. And then longtime number one goalkeeper, uh, Stefan Fry from Switzerland. Although it's almost hard to think of him as truly Swiss in a way. He and his family moved over here when he was 15, Played, I believe, his entire career in MLS. Uh, He's been with this club since 2014, and before that, he was with Toronto FC. Meanwhile, your channel... Meanwhile, your challengers, Atlanta, they are in uh, fourth place in the East. Uh, Founded in 2014, they're also currently in the CONCACAF Champions League, the current year's iteration, in the round of 16. Uh, They've made the quarterfinals the previous two years. Uh, Domestically, the MLS Cup, they won that in 2018, were the playoff champions. Last year, not so much so. 12th place in the East was all they managed. Coming into this game in in pretty okay form, one win, two losses in their last three. Offense has been just been mediocre, but uh, much like Seattle, their host today, excellent on defense. They're tied for second best in their conference. And that is thanks to the hands and feet of Brad Guzon, longtime goalkeeper. Uh, You love to see these guys with English experience, very good for them. He spent uh, the years 2008 through 17 with uh, Middlesbrough, which I believe has been in the championship, and Aston Villa, which which is now in the Premier League, but I believe would have been in the championship was he uh, when he was with them. Uh, he's also spent a lot of time on uh, the roster for the U.S. men's national team, but spent the vast majority of it behind Tim Howard. Match number three. We're headed to the Premier League in England for a very important match with repercussions for who gets into the Champions League and who's going to get into the other European berths between Leicester City and Tottenham. Now, going to cheat, not do a real preview. Why? Because number one, talked about Leicester last week. And as for the other team in this match, Tottenham Hotspur is my least favorite club in the league in the entire world. Now, Hotspur was the name of a historical mil- military leader and noble, Sir Harry Percy. Knighted in life, yes, he got the sir, sure. But posthumously, two different kings named him a traitor. two different ones that he betrayed. And yet, A club is named for him just because he and his family had some land in the area where this cursed club now is hosted. Go, Leicester City Foxes. There, that's your mini preview. Match Match number four. And now the last match of the Serie A season or set of matches, the one in particular that we're going to cover here in the number three league in UEFA, is number B, Atalanta, versus number 3, Milan. Now, Serie A, they get, uh, for being so highly ranked in the UEFA coefficients, they max out on their European competition berths. Four Champions League group stage berth teams, two that will go to the group stage of the Europa League, and then even one to the playoff round of the Europa Conference League that will be played for the first time this coming year, a tertiary tournament behind the Europa League for those who might be unfamiliar. Now, here's how things stand in the table. Uh, Internazionale have uh, all already sewn up the league title, but we still have some mystery in regards to who all is going to finish in the top four. There are uh, five total teams up for these uh, four Champions League spots, it would seem mathematically. Now, number B, Atalanta, they're in very good shape. They lead uh, Milan by two. Milan, in turn, are tied with Napoli on points, but they do have the head-to-head advantage, and they're one point ahead of of Juve is all. And so that's your real wildcard team in there. And it's not like uh, Milan had a lot of luck the first time they played Atalanta. Atalanta whooped them nil 3 at their own place. So let's talk a little bit about Atalanta first. They are playing out of uh, Bergamo Lombardy, which is in the north central part of the country. Uh, Bergamo is about 25 miles northeast of Milan. So this is a pretty good rivalry. It's an Alpine area. City of actually only about 125,000. Gorgeous in the picture. Pictures. There's two uh, main parts to the city. The old upper part of the city built uh, kind of centered around the old fortress and then uh, the lower, the newer portion. And uh, one of the great ways to get back and forth, sort of like you're at a theme park, is the uh, funicular, which is basically uh, street cars on ropes in the air. Lots of fun uh, Atalanta, uh, named for the Roman goddess. Uh, she was allied with Artemis, which I hadn't really known. And uh, there's a couple different, very different versions of her. Uh, one is she was known for a big wild boar hunt, hence the connection to Artemis. And, uh, she had connections with the Argonauts and then the slightly more Greek version of her, uh, she was more known for her foot race speed than anything else. Fun little mytho history side note there. Internationally, uh, in the Champions League, uh, they made the quarterfinals in 2019-2020, best they've ever done. Last year, they finished third in the league. This year, they were the offensive powerhouse, scoring over two and a half goals per game. Uh, Defense was more on par with where they uh, are in the table or a little bit below, just number five. uh, Tied for having second-best overall goal differential. Number three league leading scorer to look for in the box score, uh, Luis Muriel. He's from Colombia, a forward. Also spent a couple of uh, fairly recent seasons with Sevilla over in La Liga. Very versatile positionally, but you generally want to look for him playing out of the back, whether he's attacking or just distributing. He does better when he's not too far forward, and maybe it's because he tries to do so many different things. One of the big critiques against him is he's kind of inconsistent, but. not so inconsistent uh, that he hasn't had a mess of caps, but a real regular for his home Colombian men's national team since 2012. Number one on assists also to look out for Ruslan Malinovsky from the Ukraine midfielder. He is a set piece specialist. So you see a dead ball, see him lining up for that corner kick or whatever. He's going to be the man that's putting it in there. Uh, Other European action he has seen, probably the next best club he was with was Yank over in Belgium. And he's got 33 Ukrainian national team caps playing for them since 2013. And then statistically tied for third best in goalkeeping, at least in terms of clean sheets, Pierluigi Golini, who you might also know if you're a uh, second Aston Villa reference of, of this particular podcast, he has played for them as well. And then Coming in from the road, we have Milan. Excellent team. 2007, they won a big one. The uh, FIFA Club World Cup that all the confederation champions play. It's not such a big deal to the Europeans, but it sure is in uh, Europe and even Asia to some degree. In any case, they've got seven Champions League titles for their credit. They won it uh, last in 2006-2007, right before winning the Club World Cup. 18 league titles though they haven't hosted in a decade. Last year, just number six, so missed out on champ. League. They come in in very good form on a 3 1 0 streak. They just lost to Juve in the FA Cup final. Hopefully, their players are still you know, feeling rested because I imagine they didn't hold too much of anybody back for that when you've got a chance at a trophy. Number five offense, number three defense. On the assist, Liederforg. We've talked about him on this show before. German born uh, Turkish national Hakan uh, Chalanolu attacking midfielder uh, due to the fact that he was born in Germany, as you might imagine. He played for one of the big teams over there, Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, He is best known perhaps as a great uh, free kick scorer. I think the reason he can excel at that so well versus other things, he's not particularly big or strong or fast or physical, he's another one that plays very, very well out of the back. And he has been excellent for Turkey. 55 national team caps since 2013. And then, tied for the second-best goalkeeping statistically, Gianluigi Donnarumna, we've talked about him before as well, made his professional debut in the top flight at the age of 16. He's just 22 years old now, in fact, yet he's already got 25 Italian men's national team caps since 2016.
1: Match number five
0: another sunday match and we're hopping back across the atlantic to guatemala their liga nacional they are in the Clausura, or second of the two stages of their overall soccer year and this is the playoff final it is the second match of a two-legged tie in fact so everything is on the line uh, this is probably considered to be the number nine league in concacaf by most i don't think they do their own official ratings but There's a lot of sites out there that do rank them. I happen to like kick algorithms and uh, they put them as the fourth best in Central America, ninth overall. Now, each of the two stages playoff winners uh, get to go to the CONCACAF League, as does... The best non-champion, the team with the best record that didn't win the Apertura or the Clausura, And just a reminder, the CONCACAF League is not the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, when you're down in Central America, you get to go to this feeder tournament along with a bunch of the Caribbean teams, and you have to do a little bit more winning to get into the overall Champions League. Now, the matchup is number one from the regular season, Comunicaciones, versus number three, Santa Lucia. Uh, the first leg went Santa Lucia's way, 4-0. So, uh, Comunicaciones have uh, more than a little bit of ground to uh, make up. The first time they met in the regular season doesn't really lend a lot of credibility to that happening. That just went to a nil-nil tie. Now, Comunicaciones are going to get to go to the CONCACAF League no matter what because they've got the best overall non-champions, uh, non-champion record. So, if they win this, that's going to be good news for a different team. Uh, Municipal, they have the second best record overall, and so they would get to go to the CONCACAF League. Let's learn a little bit about each. Comunicaciones. they play out of Guatemala City. Uh, they were named uh, back of their founding, I want to say about uh, 70 years ago, by the Minister of Telegraphs and Communications. So like a lot of teams, they had a governmental sponsorship. Uh, they've only won what is now called the Champions League. It wasn't at the time once, and I don't know a lot of, or really much about anything from this particular year, but 1978, it was strange because they were named co-champion along with two other teams. Not sure how that worked out, if the tournament was canceled, what exactly happened. Uh, domestically, they are uh, just a powerhouse in the country. 30 league titles, although strangely enough, maybe they haven't won one since the Klausura stage of 2015. Last stage this year in the Apatura, they finished number two and they made only the quarterfinals of the playoffs. This year, their group, the league season is divided into two groups. Uh, They trounced everybody. They won Group A by a very solid eight points. Second-best offense and defense going in the league and the number one overall goal differential. Very well balanced. Best all-around team player, I believe, is probably Augustin Herrera. He is a Mexican attacker, a veteran, 36 years old, who had five goals uh, during the regular season. Meanwhile, apparently your surprise favorites with that 4-0 lead, Santa Lucia. They play out of Katsomo Guapa, in the uh, Esquitla department, which is in the south central part of the country, but not quite on the coast, a town of about 60,000. Uh, best known, if you're a if you're a history buff, you may recognize this area. It's known for being uh, uh, big archeological sites there from the pre-Columbian Mayan era or the late classic, like 250 to 900 common era, uh, really a little bit closer to um, the 900. Uh, the sites are uh, Baul and Bilbao. And just in case there's any question about the pronunciation, I always try to get those. The town is Guapa, but the overall archaeological area or that region is Cazmehuapa with an H, different spelling. In any case, last stage. Wow, they were the worst in the group and only had the third third least points overall of the teams from both divisions but they come into this match uh, on four straight wins. They've been doing great. They were just promoted after the 2018-19 season. I couldn't even find a lot about the team historically. They've only got the number 11 offense going. You would think that that means that to advance as far that they had the number one defense. Yeah, number four. They were above average, but not all-time great for down there. Uh, I can't even tell you a whole lot statistically about, about who might be the overall best player for the team, but I will mention Romario Da Silva as he had a brace of goals in, in their leg one final 4-0 win. The dulcet tones of person noob imitating our kitties with the three mute chimes, strangely enough, yes, means that it's time to take a break from our tracking of the upcoming week's matches and do what we purport to do in our podcast name, that is namely track. Let's take a look at the results from last week's episode's matches. Match number one was a Saturday match out of Africa. Their Champions League was a quarterfinal between Kaiser Chiefs and Simba, and it was the South African team, the Kaiser Chiefs, who won 4-0 in a blowout. Match number B, we went to the new Nepal Super League where they had their playoff final. Number B, Dangati taking on number one Kathmandu Razors and the Razors came out on top nil one. Congratulations to them on winning the first ever trophy for a professional league, specifically in Nepal. Then Sunday, match number three, we had the UEFA Women's Champions League final. Congratulations to Chelsea Women FC for making it so far but the mighty women of Barcelona are the ones who get to take home the trophy. They won in a as well, Mel 4 Monday, match number four, we went to Albania, their categoria superior for a match between number two. Uh, Teuta Duras and number B Partizani and it was the road and number B team winning 0-1 and so Partizani, Partizani now lead by 8 on goal differential, they're tied to points at the table which is 2 matches to go in the season Tuesday, match number 5 we went to the Premier League in England where there were just 2 matches left number 4, Chelsea taking on number 3 uh, Leicester City and it was Chelsea that won 2-1 to one. and also we did a food thing instead of uh, talking about about the actual match for our preview and toed in the hole ended up between me and person who winning unanimously 2-0 as the better dish when compared to the cold pork snack pie that is most famous from the Leicestershire city area of Melton Mowbray uh, Wednesday we had our match number six we went to South America the Copa Libertadores a group stage match number four Deportivo Chuck from Venezuela hosted number B always ready from Bolivia and you want to talk about a land where any of these games going to come out close. Tacher won 7-2. A player named Freddie Gondola had a brace that moved Tacher to number two in the group stage standings, and it took Always Ready down to number three. All four teams in this group have been tied previously, so now there's only one match to go. This probably cements, believe it or not, the two that are going to advance. Uh, and that leaves Always Ready in third place. And so most likely they will be dropping down to the secondary international tournament, the uh, Copa Sudamericana. Then we had our bonus matches. Explanations coming on these names later. Our round of the week was a Friday match from Serbia Serbia's Superliga between last place Bachka Vajka Polanka. And they tried to take on uh, number one Red Star, Red Star Belgrade and it went exactly how you thought it might. Red Star won nil 5 And a guy we said to look for, Mirko uh, Ivanić. He had a second half goal, somebody we thought might be a man of the match. The most meaningless match in the world was a Friday match coming out of Azerbaijan's Premier League with number six, Kabbalah, taking on number five, Sabah, and the result predictably was a 2-2 draw. Uh, Kabbalah was dramatic, They came back from down nil two in this one. And let's see, the point should at least put Sabah in safety. For one match to go. There's still an outside chance, even though this was the most meaningless match in the world. The Kabbalah still could finish in last as they didn't win this game. And then finally, our matchup disappointed was a Sunday match out of Scotland's premiership. Number 12, Hamilton Academical, taking on number one, 11, number 11 rather, uh, Kilmarnock, and the result was a Kilnarmock 0-2 win. Hamilton was the worst team by a landslide in Scotland this year. A player named Mitchell Pinnock had race a brace and uh, Ross County ended up eating Motherwell. So even though they got the win, Kilmarnock is still in second to last place and they will have to play in a relegation playoff round match against the second place team from Scotland Which, if memory serves, was probably going to be Dundee for the right to get up to. Or, in Kilmarnock's place, uh, in in their place, uh, stay in the Premiership. And that ends our recap. Let's get back to the current week's tracking with... Match number six. We're still on Sunday on the Calendar, but time to... Rack up some more frequent flyer miles. We're off to another confederation for the podcast. To the CAF, Africa, specifically to Angola's Girabola. They're a top flight. Uh, this is the league that is rated number 10 in all of the CAF. As such, and this is true for the top 12, in fact, they get two Champions League group stage berths. And then the third place team goes to the secondary tournament, their version of the Europa League, the Confederation Cup. About two-thirds of the way through the season here. And the matchup is a doozy. Number one, Primero de Agosto versus uh, number B, Sagrada Esperanza. Now, Sagrada Esperanza won the first match at their place, two to one. Time to see if they can do it on the road. If so, they should take over first place as right now, uh, Primero de Augusta lead them by two, although uh, Sagrada does have a match in hand. And then in turn, uh, Sagrada leads uh, a perennial powerhouse in their own right, Petro de Luanda, by two points at the table. So it's shaping up to be a very good three-horse race there. Uh, first, about Primero de, Primero de Augusto. I want to make sure I get the Primeiro in there. Angola was a uh, Portuguese colony, so they get the EI in there. Uh, they play out of the capital city of Luanda. They were founded as and still are an army team. Don't necessarily often see that much of anywhere, it it feels like. Uh, at least maybe I'm thinking a little bit more of Europe, but even the teams that were founded as army teams tend to sort of uh, move away from that eventually. Where did they get their name? Well, they were founded in 1977 on August 1st. Uh, Their best Champions League finish was in 2018. They made the semifinals. Domestically, 13 league titles, and they are the four-time defending champions, and so looking to do it again. One for the thumb, as they say. Uh, They were in second place last year when the season got abandoned about three quarters of the way through. Uh, This year, Excellent statistically, over one and a half goals, and that's uh, per match, and that is good for uh, best offense in the entire league. Defense is uh, second best, and the number one overall goal differential is theirs. A lot of the offense comes at the feet of the second best league scorer, Mabululu. He is a striker, uh, 31 years old, and he's actually spent his entire career in Angola. Kind of fun to see that. He's even earned a few national team caps along the way. Meanwhile, Sagrada Esperanza, that translates to Sacred Hope. Interesting team name, and I did find out where it comes from. The country's first ever president, uh, Agostinho Nato or Neto, I think it's Nato. Uh, one of the uh, addresses that he delivered, he did a poem that I believe he wrote of that same name, Sagrada Esperanza. And this club uses that as their now, what's interesting is, therefore, you might think that they were also sponsored by like a government agency of some kind, but no. This club was founded by, a well, sort of, a state-owned diamond mine named, uh, the company was called Diamang. Uh, it still exists, but now the name is Endiama. no longer own it, but they're still the primary sponsor. Uh, they play out of the town of Dundo in the state of uh, Lunda Norte, so the far northeast part of the country might have about 200,000 people. And this was actually founded as a planned diamond mining town. And maybe because of that and the way it built up, now instead of letting that town continue to expand organically, they've very specifically been building and planning a new city right next to it that you as you might imagine they're going to call uh, New Dundo footy wise one league title to their credit and it was 16 years ago last year they were in sixth place when the season was abandoned uh top four offense but number one on defense that's where their bread is buttered they let in less than one goal every other match just outstanding
1: match number seven
0: still on sunday we're going to check out yet another confederation asia let's head to hong kong for their premier league it is very average in the asian coefficients just rated number 23 out of the 46 there But trust me, there's still high drama to be found, as there is everywhere Team Noob goes. Uh, based on where they are in those coefficient ratings, they get one Champions League berth. That team will have to start in the preliminary round, the second uh, prelim round, in fact. Same thing for the Asian Cups, second prelim round. Two matches left in the season is all. And by the way, just a little interesting side note, if the champion does go to the Champions League, which isn't always the case, sometimes they have trouble, when you're talking about some of these smaller nations further down in the coefficients, they have trouble getting the licensures to go to uh, the top tournament in their confederation. If they can't go to that, then they do get to go to the Asian Cup. If they do go to that, the number three team, which is right now a very coolly named club called Pegasus, that team will get to go to the AFC Cup. But in any case, this matchup, number B, Kitshi taking on number one Eastern. Uh, Kitshi, despite being number B in the table and not number one, have had the best of it against Eastern so far. They played to a 1-1 draw on the road the first time and then 1-0-1 on the road. And uh, they do play, as you might imagine, at the same stadium, small country like that, uh, the Mong Kok Stadium. Just interesting side note. About Kitchy, they play the most populated uh, district or area, if you will. Uh, Kowloon's uh, got over 2 million people, most populated area there. They are known as the Blue Waves or the Blue Birds. Uh, in the AFC, they're considered just barely within the top 25 of all clubs. That's pretty good especially considering where the overall league is and the coefficients. They're just about to start playing the the, uh, Champions League group stage themselves. Uh, Their best international finish ever was probably in the uh, AFC Cup, though. In 2014, they made it to the semifinals. Uh, This is their second time in the Champions League group stage. Last time, they finished dead last. That was 2018. But they did get a win against a very good Japanese team, uh, Kashiwa Rysol domestically 10 league titles to their credit seven of those have been within just the last 10 years and they are the defending champions uh second best offense at almost two goals per match number one defense they only average letting uh one, a goal in twice out of every three games yes that's what i meant to say <laughs> number one league scorer on the team is a guy from Montenegro, real veteran, 39 years old, long in the tooth forward, Dayan Damjanovic. Uh, if his name is familiar to you, you are a South Korean uh, K-League 1 fan. As he has spent several years bouncing around the best three clubs over there. And he's been with the Montenegrin national team. He played for them from 2008 through 15. They also do get to boast the number one goalkeeper in the league, that is Wang Penn And he's been with this club since all the way back in 2005. Now about Eastern. They are known as the Eastern Long Lions. They also play out of Kowloon. Uh, Their best Champions League finish was a fourth place one back in 2017. They've only won the league title one time. That was five years ago. Last year, they finished second place. So they're looking to up that by one, of course, this time. If they do it... It'll be on the uh, heels of their offense. They score over twice per game, and the defense is second best in the league. Number one overall goal differential. Like to see that high-end balance. They're my favorites. Uh, Number B league score is Brazilian-born player named Sandro. He's 34 years old, a striker. And I mentioned that he was Brazilian-born because he's actually now a naturalized citizen of Hong Kong. He's been over here so long, and he's been representing their national team since 2015. This team also has the second-best goalkeeper statistic in the league, Hung Fai, and uh, just a fun little side note about him his first ever senior experience was with a Division II club there in Hong Kong called Workable. Match number eight. One last match to finish off your Sunday, and we're back in the Western part of the world. CONCACAF once again for the Caribbean Club Championship. It is their semi final matches in play right now, and this is a really interesting setup they have for the uh, Caribbean Club uh, sub confederation. They have two international events most years. The Caribbean Club Championship, which is for teams from the handful of professional and maybe even some of the top amateur leagues there in the Caribbean. And then all of the other you know, smaller island or groups of island nations, uh, typically they have the option of sending their champion, if anywhere, to now the Caribbean Club Shield, just as of the last few years. And the winner of that gets to play something like the fourth place team most years from the Caribbean Club Championship for a right to go into the CONCACAF League. This is the part of soccer I like to study. I will never necessarily know a ton about tactics and how the game is played on the field as well as lifelong footy fans, but I like watching all these and learning all these machinations. The event is being held in the Dominican Republic. The winner of the whole CCC gets to go straight to the CONCACAF Champions League. The next three finishers get to go to the Champions League. That's a little bit more than normal, but but that's because the event has been expanded this year because... The uh, Due to COVID, they decided just to have one event. And so they canceled the Caribbean Club Shield this year. And I wish I was going to be covering the final. That's going to be on Tuesday. Best I could do is a semifinal. And the one I chose was the closest to home for the U.S. We're going to look at Inter uh, Mungotapo versus Metropolitan FC. They are out of Suriname and Puerto Rico, respectively. We'll start with the on-paper home team, uh, Inter Inter the name of the town they're from in Suriname, which if you're not familiar, by the way, is a mainland country in South America, but has a very, very Caribbean culture, very distinct from all the rest of South America, more or less. Uh, they made uh, well, Mungo. First of all, is a is a small town, as you might imagine, just ten to fifteen thousand. They made the semifinals of the CCC back in two thousand four, and then in uh, two thousand eighteen, they were the runners up for the Caribbean Club Shield. So they've got some international experience uh, definitely on their side. Uh, domestically, down there, ten league titles to their credit, all of those within the just the last thirteen years, and they are the defending champions. Last year's season was actually abandoned partway through, and they were in the lead for that one as well after 11 matches Uh, they had the number two offense going the number one defense and they qualified for this event by being the official defending champions from back in 2018-2019 And in the quarterfinals to get to this stage, they beat one of the host teams, very hard to do. From there in the DR, they beat uh, Universidad O and M by just two on goal differential. Otherwise, they were tied on the table. It was a two-horse race in that group of three. They they barely won uh, the group despite having a 13-to-1 goal differential. Meanwhile, Metropolitan FC, they play out of San Juan. They were the 2018-19 Liga Puerto Rico champions. Uh, There was no season last year, and from what I understand, at least, there's not going to be a regular season for them this year either. Uh, They were a distant number two the last time they did get to play domestically in offense to uh, Bayamon that scored four a game. But they're very good offensively. They've also got the second best defense from that season. They also won the regular season and playoff titles back in 2016. So this is a group that's used to winning. Uh, To get here, they beat host... Del, host uh, Delfinas del Este, another DR team, uh, by 6-3 to three in points in the group stage table. And they didn't concede a goal. But that said, they didn't score tons and tons either. Only seven goals. Uh, top team scorer is Jorge Rivera. He is a midfielder. Uh, if you like your stateside soccer, his name could be familiar to you. He's never played in MLS, but previously he did play for Penn FC, a team that used to be in the USL.
1: Match number nine.
0: After that sort of Sunday, New Bites, if I may refer to you as such, you deserve a break. So, Monday and Tuesday off from our tracking here in New And then on Wednesday, we have a big one. The UEFA Europa League Final, Villarreal versus Van- Manchester United. Uh, you can catch this on CBSSN or Paramount Plus stateside. If you uh, prefer a uh, Spanish-language broadcast, it's going to be on TUDN at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. And it's being played this year in Gdansk, Poland. Now, as I often say when it comes to big, big matches like this, but I will repeat just the same for newer listeners. Noob is not merely a moniker. It is my life. I am not a lifelong footy fan. I've only come to it the last few years. If you found this podcast, you probably listened to several other ones from lifelong footy fans who can tell you a ton more and give you a much better deep dive onto such great historic teams as Villarreal and Manchester United. So, I'm going to take this as my opportunity to do one of my more favorite things and do a little food segment, talk about a traditional food from each of these places. Because while I like soccer, I also like learning about the entire world and anything in it through the lens of football. And food's one of my favorite things. So we'll talk a little bit about a couple of traditional dishes from each area. And we'll start with Villarreal, which is in the uh, somewhat autonomous Valencia region of Spain, and about a dish called Alipebre. Now everybody sort of knows paella, and this is in that family, but somewhat different. Uh, first of all, your, uh, your non-meat ingredients, you're going to have potatoes, you're going to add cayenne pepper if it's traditional. For a thickening agent, uh, you're going to have ground almonds and stale white crumbs specifically. And then you add just enough water to probably just more than cover it. This isn't going to be a soup and it is going to thicken. And as for the meat, and this will gross some people out, but eels. That's right. Alipabre means garlic and paprika, which you're also going to throw in there. But the primary meat ingredient is eels. Now, be an adventurous eater. You know, go someplace and try to, you know, I don't know how easy it would be to find eels at your grocery store, but you're at a traditional, truly authentic Mexican restaurant. See if they have this because eels are not water snakes. They just look like water snakes. They're fish and they're a very underrated fish, fish, quite frankly. Now, if you want something a little less adventurous, but very, very good, kind of comfort foodish, Manchester is offering one of the most famous foods from that area, or traditional ones, is the Lancashire hot pot. Sort of a soup, It's uh, the main meat is lamb or mutton, and then you add onions, stock, and one of the main ingredients, one of the best ones, is you put sliced potatoes on top. The preparation is what's key. You cook this on very, very low heat, And yet you cook it long enough until the potatoes on top are crispy. And that means the meat underneath is just going to absolutely be as tender as can be. If you want to go really, really old school, this recipe used to have oysters in it. I like those, but I know they're not for everyone. If you want to add something on the side just to change things up a little bit modern, more modern, again, not in the dish, but on the side, uh, pickled red cabbage is very popular, and beetroot isn't out of bounds either. So enjoy your your Europa League final, and if you have the chance, enjoy it with one of those two authentic, popular, traditional dishes. Match number 10, always, as you would imagine, the last at least official match of the 10 to track. We still do have our super cool three bonus matches to go. The last two weeks running, we've had to do something similar with one of our slots, so we're going to do the same thing this week. There are a ton of FA Cup finals going on this week, and to do many previews on all of them would lead to a three or four hour show. Rather than subject all of us to that, uh, for the third week of row, we have found a super fun way to just let you know which countries are having their FA Cup finals. Mostly in Europe, we've done a pageant. Uh, we have done a glamour photo shoot uh, themed match slot. And this time, one, two, three, four, it's time for Disco FA War. Here's who's going to be doing battle. Northern Ireland. Our very own and Rick is being called out by new guy, David Stansky. Starsky. Right back at you. Greece. Everybody settle. You know the rules. Keep it safe. Keep it sexy. And above all, turn up the night. Romania, where neither of the two teams is in line any other way to get to European competition. And one, in fact, of the clubs is in their own uh, relegation playoff area. Oh, it's the Wild West. Those are six guns full of sexy scotland all right dancing rick getting warmed up here What's you he gonna bring out for the appetizer cord estonia
1: dancing rick's going i don't
0: like you but i respect your moves belarus all right one two three four we've got disco war folks portugal oh drop
1: that disco big rig shift gears blow your funky horn pull it into the truck stop and get yourself some scrapple made out of sexy.
0: Switzerland, where both teams are in a position that they can't get to European competition any other way but an FA Cup win. Disco Rick brings it right back and he's not wasting any time, folks. And oh, from the future of 1984, that's a funky disco robot. Azerbaijan, they're in the same position as the Swiss clubs, and in fact, one of the teams is in last place. Oh, they on the floor, folks, eye to eye. Serbia. Disco Vietnam, neither one's blinking, neither one's back slovenia where one of the teams is in the relegation zone oh angry cat kitten has claws bosnia and herzegovina how about that very sexy very macho but you know what that's a little too close to call and finally our one non-european fa cup final the king's cup final of saudi arabia where unlike in europe there is a champions league berth on the line so if you feel like getting some advanced placement credit go ahead and google up your favorite country or countries uh turn on your disco ball turn up the night and learn more about these fa cup final club matches you shouldn't do this cuz it's so incredibly lame and now on to perhaps my favorite part of the show the three bonus matches i sling the candidates up on twitter by the way, under handle Soccer Noob USA. You vote, and then the magic content choices happen. The first one we're gonna look at is a first versus last place matchup from some top flight in the world that we lovingly call the... Route, route,
1: route, route. Of, 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 of. The week, 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 week.
0: Perfect as always on the homemade echo sound effect. Daughter, mine, person, noob. This is going to be a Saturday match you voted on from Japan's J League One, which is the number three league in all of the AFC, where they're about halfway through the season. Uh, No relegations happened last year, so four teams are going to go down this year, and that's really probably going to affect one of the two teams in this match, as you might imagine. On the other end of the table, the high end, two Champions League group stage berths are at stake, and then uh, another one for the Champions League, but that team. start in the playoff round. And by the way, interesting side note for this year, uh, because they're going to be hosting it, uh, Japan gets to send their league champion to the FIFA Club World Cup, which is otherwise made up exclusively of confederation champions from the Champions Leagues. In any case, the match for this Saturday is number one, Kawasaki Frontali versus the roadkill that is almost certain to be number 20, last place Yokohama FC. Kawasaki, they lead Nagoya Grampus, a team name I just love, by 12 points already. Uh, Yokohama FC in turn, they are six away from safety. Uh, That's the number... A 16th spot held currently by Shimizu S-Pulse. Kawasaki, probably your champions in waiting already. I mean, I know they're not way towards the end of the season like in Europe, but leading by as much as they are. Wow. Uh, They are known as uh, the Grameo of Japan. They have had a relationship with that team, something of a player pipeline since all the way back in 1997. They've even chosen to adopt the same colors in their kits. Internationally, in 2006, the Champions League, they made the quarterfinals, and I believe they were the first Japanese team to ever get past the group stage. It's been done since then, but they were the first. They've won three league titles, all very recently, 2017, 18, and then last season. This year, looking to do it again and undefeated so far in the process, 15-3-0. Number one goal differential by over three times as many as the next best team. Uh, Tied for number... B in the league scoring statistical category is Leandro. Damiao, he is a Brazilian striker, 31 years old. We talked about that relationship with Brazil. Santos, actually, not Grêmio, is the team that have had the rights to him, at least for the heart of his career. But he was almost exclusively loaned out, and yet loaned out to other top Brazilian clubs. And he made appearances, but I really don't gather that he was ever really a starter. But what makes that particularly strange is that he played for the national team in Brazil for two years, or three years, 2011 through 13. Meanwhile, the aforementioned roadkill that is certain to be Yokohama FC, their team name is the Flugels, which is German for wings. Uh, interesting history for them. Uh, back in 1999, uh, the Flugels merged with their crosstown rivals, Marinos, to form a single club. Uh, Flugels really felt like their club was more dissolved than merge, so they decided to start another club. And when I say they, I mean the fans. They used what's called the uh, Barcelona socio model and became the first supporter owned team in Japan. And they've been a little bit of a yo-yo team. Um, This isn't the first time that they've had to come back up, but uh, they did only just most recently come back up to the top league in 2019. Last year they finished in 15th place. This year they are 1 3 and 11, and their goal differential is more than half again worst as any other team in the league. Uh, tied for 17th on offense and uh, worst on defense, they're pretty close to giving up two and a half goals per match. That's atrocious. All-around best player on the team is probably Tatsuki Seiko. He is a central midfielder, 23 years old. Not a whiz on the offensive side in terms of getting in the box score. He's only got one assist on the season. But he's got a really astounding 77 uh, passer uh, percentage. And when you're playing from the middle of the field, I would think that's really hard. And one more bit of good news for this team, that one win that they have in their record, that was in their last league match. They got a win against Shonan Belmare. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, Yes, you could. could. You're so boring. What a peculiar and yet wondrous Prince knockoff theme song for our second bonus match. Yes, the most meaningless match in the world. What exactly does that mean? Well, I have scoured the top flights for every running league that is sponsored by FIFA in the world, believe it or not, looking for teams that are smack dab in the middle of their tables or more specifically, perfectly equidistant From Glory and Doom, equal number of points or teams away from uh, international competition berths and last place or the relegation zone. And the match that you have voted on as most meaningless comes from Ireland this year. It's a Monday match. The League of Ireland Premier Division is rated number 37 in UEFA. It's up five from a year ago. They're about a third of the way through the season there. Most of Europe is, of course... Uh, just finishing up this weekend, but the northern European teams by and large in Ireland might be the most southerly of those. Uh, they're more uh, called summer leagues. In any case, they get the minimum level, uh, minimum number of teams into European competition uh, with just one Champions League berth, two ECL berths, and then uh, one team will get relegated. Second to last team will have to play a relegation playoff. And I say that to all say, don't you wish this match maybe had a little bit of meaning to it? Maybe, maybe not, but what other podcast host has the heart to shine a spotlight on two teams doing so mediocrely that nobody else is talking about? Mediocrely? Is it even a word? I don't know but we know what I meant. Number six, Bohemian FC playing host to number seven, Dundalk. They've already played once this season, and Bohemians won that on the road 0-1. They've got the same number of points in the table, so they are both 10 points behind third place St. Patrick's Athletic, and they are also seven ahead each of number nine, Longford Town a bit about each. Bohemians, they are also known as the Gypsies. They are a Dublin-based team. They play on the north side in a town called Fibsborough. As you might imagine, uh, if you follow Irish soccer in the least, they are bitter, bitter rivals with Shamrock Rovers down on the south end of Dublin. This is the fourth most successful domestic club in the Republic of Ireland's history. They've never been relegated, in fact. Uh, the only other team that can say that is St. Patrick's that said you know you would think they've gotten to play in a lot of european competitions and they have but they've never been farther than the second qualifying round in the champions league or europa league for that matter domestically 11 league titles it's been a while 2009 last year they almost managed it though finishing in second place they uh come into this game in pretty decent form two oh and one in their last three but that one the one loss was in their most recent match, they lost to St. Patrick's Athletic. Tied for number five on offense of the league, same for defense, same for goal differential. In the box score, who do you want to look for? On the scoring leaderboard, they've got two 20 year, 22 year old Scotsmen, Ali Coote and Liam Burt. I know Ali Coote played for one of these two teams, uh, but I don't remember which. Liam Burt, I know, has been, uh, or at least. The rights have been held by both Rangers and Celtic in Scotland, but he's made like almost no appearances for them, was always loaned out. On the assist leaderboard, you can look for uh, the name Georgie Kelly. He's a homegrown. And then tied for third best statistically in goalkeeping is James Talbot, just 24 years old. Uh, Sunderland from over on the English side. They had the rights to him along. For a while, but they always loaned him out to Darlington, which is at the in the National League North or the sixth level in the English pyramid. Which for me helps to have some perspective on where these teams maybe might play if they were all if the UK all had one league system. Gives you an idea of the ability. Meanwhile, Dundalk, uh, that is a town that is uh, in the far northeast corner of the country, right on the border with Northern Ireland. That is County Louth. The town itself has about uh, 40,000 people, 60k in the metro. If you are a mythology fan, you may uh, be familiar with this town. This is known as sort of the uh, home ground or birthplace of Cthulhu, who is uh, thought to be an Irish demigod, a hero, savior savior character from Irish mythos, uh, perhaps best known for his transformational battle frenzy. He would uh, become some sort of huge terrifying monster and would kill virtually anything, whether it was on his side or was an enemy, didn't matter. Anyway, as far as the footy, 2016-17 Champions League, they almost made the group stage. They got to the penultimate round before that, the playoff round. Best they've ever done. Unfortunately, after losing right before the group stage, they then went down into the group stage of the Europa League and finished in dead last. Domestically, happier times. Fourteen league titles, not last year, but the two prior to that. Last year they finished in third, and uh, what's kind of fun about I mentioned with the uh, first team that they were tied for fifth in all these different categories. The team that they are exactly tied with statistically, mirrors of each other, is Dundalk. So pretty interesting. Tied for number three on assists, man in the match possibilities. Michael Duffy, he's from Northern Ireland, a winger. Uh, Celtic had the rights to him, but. Like we experienced with some other players we've talked about, he never appeared for them, always on loanouts. And we had a surprise USA connection, somebody I was not familiar with previously, Jesus Perez, as a midfielder that plays for them. And last year, yes, he did play stateside. Perhaps you're a USL fan if you recognize his name, Division II in America. He played for the Tacoma Defiance, which I believe is affiliated or at least was with Seattle Sounders. And he played with Chicago United before that, which is now in the USL2. And now we have truly come to the end of our episode, Podcast Road. Thank you so much for tuning in. This final match is one that we never like to end on notes of happiness or joy. It's match number 13, but rather with woe, moroseness, doomful feelings. Let there be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and let there be nothing but scorn for the two bottom-feeding sack-sack clubs occupying the last two spots in their league. This is the match of... Disappoint! Oh, Kevin Sorbo, always bringing the scorn. I hope someday he listens to the show and knows what he's getting used for with that one word. That would be fun. In any case, the match that you have voted on between two last or nearly last place teams is from Kazakhstan, the Premier League. This is the number 27 rated league in the AFC, which is down three from a year ago. They're about halfway through the season there. The bottom two teams in this league will be relegated. And so far, it's looking like it's going to be these two. Number 14, Jedisu versus number 13. And the pronunciation is weird here because I found one that said that it should be pronounced something like Hobot, But it's spelled K-A-I-S-A-R. So I'm simply going to call them Kaiser and think that I found some quirky misinformation. In any case, Jedisu. Even though they should be wearing bags over their heads for how putrid they are, we will learn a little bit about them. They are from the town of Koren or korgan Not sure if the G is silent or not. Uh, capital of the Almaty region. It's in the southeast part of the country. City of about 150,000. They kind of appropriately have only been to international competition one time. They got to go to the Europa League, 2012-13, and they lost in the very first round. Last year, they had a more middling year. They finished number six. Uh, This year, interesting thing. I would love to have been able to find more details on it, but I only found a little bit. They, uh, They and one other team both have had three points deducted. And it was specifically for, I believe, if I'm understanding right, their reserve or secondary stadium's pitch not being certified by the league or by the FA prior to the start of the season. And so a couple of matches into the season, they lost three points for that. Very strange indeed. But you know what? Even if they had those three points, they still stink. They'd still be in last place. They're only two, one, and nine. They've got the worst offense in the league. They don't even manage a goal in the game, and they uh, a goal per game. And they also have the worst defense. They give up over uh, two per match. One little bit of happiness. Hope if they deserve it. They're coming in in decent form. One of their two wins, they just beat Taraz. That came on the heels of six straight losses. Uh, I would say best all around, but let's just go with least crappy player on the team is probably Art Yam Dmitriev. He is an Estonian midfielder, a veteran, 32 years old. He's actually managed to score twice for them. Uh, He used to be back with a much better team in Belgium, Royal Antwerp. That was in 2012. Now... I always like to fun as uh, uh, to find rather fun side notes. <laughs> I happen to run into something so appropriate for a match of disappointed team. Probably one of the biggest claims to fame for this town is a famous bicycle road racer whose name was Andre. I'm going to pronounce it Kivalev. He died in 2003 from a crash that he was involved in a race going from Paris to Nice. And it is the reason that the uh, Road Racing Association, either Europe or the world, now requires all riders to wear helmets for their races. Uh, Additional side note for him he actually finished fourth in the 2001 Tour de France, but so many. Uh, So many racers, including all the ones ahead of him, were eventually found guilty of doping that while the official road racing organization and French newspaper, the big one Le Monde, uh, decided to name him unofficially the event winner after the fact, since everybody above him had gotten busted in those doping charges. All right. Meanwhile, Kaisar, they are known as the wolves and they play out of a town called Kazlorta. It's a bigger city, population of about 350,000 in the south central part of the country. That said, uh, not a lot going on there. Their biggest thing economically rice production and lots of it. It's also the nearest town of any size to the oil fields of a region called the Turgay Basin. Uh, so this is sort of a supply center town. Used to be a fishing town because it was on the Aral Sea, but that, uh, which is effectively a great big lake, but it started drying up in the 1960s. It was effectively... There was no water in it by the 2010s. And this is all thanks to their friendly neighbors, the Russians, for their irrigation efforts. They were just damming up and using all the water. Now, the North Aral Sea has been replenished to some degree, so their fishing economy, uh, part of that has come back a little bit. Uh, also, something legitimately cool about the area, uh, the Baikonur Cosmodrome, which is a spaceport that gets leased to Russia, is also right in this town. Now, on the footy side, uh, they haven't had much league success, but they have won the FA Cup title twice, including once uh, the most recent one back in 2019. Uh, they got to go to the Europa League, and like their counterparts today, they lost a first round match. Uh, they've had a lot of success domestically in the second league. This is your classic yo yo team. They have won the second division league. Four different times since 1995, most recently in 2016. They're just 1-4-7 and seven on the year this year, and they're not in good form. Their lone win was all the way back in early April. The offense has actually been middling, but the, the defense has been worse than anybody in the league except for their opponents today. Top 10 on league scoring, they've got a legitimately decent player, Carolus Luxemis. He is a Lithuanian striker with 21 national team caps. As always, I like to feign that I would want to wish these teams good luck, but they're so disappointing and so putrid that instead we only give them the silent thumbs down that doesn't work for a podcast and a giant Bronx cheer. And believe it or not, that's how we end the show. So... Thanks as always to my daughter, Person Noob. You're awesome. Love you very much. To Dan, the Interno Inferno for his efforts, or former Interno Inferno, and probably current Swedish spy. Could he really be working for the women's FA in Sweden? Come on. Nobody in the world gets that lucky. And thank you to the management for his editing and production duties. And to you for listening. Appreciate it. The show's content and humor, they're a bit different. And that's just how we like it here. Stuff I'd like to think you're not getting anywhere else. And to that end, we hope you'll join us again in just a few more days. Until then, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.